Uh, we're going to be diving into the Word. Of course, that's what we do here. I mean, you know, it's all about the Word. It's His Word that brings that life transformation and change that helps us to understand more who He is and what He does. Um, Last week we talked a bit about a challenging thing, right? Um, how as spirit-filled believers, you know, we ought to be so quick to embrace change. And um, I don't know about you, but my personality type, I don't like change. I like things consistent. I like it predictable. I, 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 seriously, I'm the kind of guy that I will eat the exact same lunch every single day of my life, you know, just predictable. I like consistency, you know, structure. Uh, but life in the Spirit isn't always like that. With, with, with life in the Spirit and with life in general, things change. You don't wake up to the same, you know, yard that you had yesterday. I mean, come on. You know, God shows us that change is a healthy part of our everyday lives, and, and we ought to embrace it. Lead, you know, taking the lead of the Spirit wherever and whenever He takes us. Uh, we were reminded from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, right? There's a time and a season for everything, for every activity under heaven. There's a time and a season. And how critical it is for us as believers to discern what time and season we are in in life. Um, not all of them are fun. Some of them we want to have, you know, last very shortly. But um, in any case, it's healthy for us to go through every season of life. Um, a few weeks ago, we also learned about the boundaries. You know, this is sort of a recap. I didn't know what God was doing, but he knew what he was doing. He was leading up to something that I didn't see yet. We talked about how boundaries are healthy, how God created natural boundaries, right? We talked about dry land, wet land. I mean, the fact that we have atmosphere around us so that our lungs don't collapse in the vacuum of space, all these good, healthy boundaries, and about how God gave us moral boundaries, and we ought to rejoice in those boundaries as well. If you remember and you were here, you saw the cow example I drove up on. Well, we drove uh, past there on our way to Indiana as a family the other day, and guess what? There was not one cow. There was like, what, five cows running around on the road, you know? <laughs> What is it about us and boundaries? They found a weak spot in the fence, and they just keep at it, right? You know, because the grass is greener over there. Forget the lush field and spring and all those things that they have. They want to eat that road right on the side, or that grass right on the side of the road. I don't know, anyways. Um, but the fact is, we can learn a lot about God through his creation. In fact, Romans chapter 1 verse 20 tells us that we can actually know so much about God through his creation that not a single person on the face of the earth is ever without an excuse for not knowing him. Romans chapter 1, and I'm not going to go into the whole detail, but just this verse. It says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature, they have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And I don't know, I'm a nature lover. I like to hunt and fish and everything, you know, and so, um, you know, maybe that's just a part of it. But I just love being out there because there's so much you can learn about God. You know, I've had God speak to me probably more times, you know, out in the, you know, tree stand than any other time. Just things about him, about his nature and everything that you see. Um, and that's a whole probably sermon series of itself. The things that you, you know, learn about his nature. The things that you learn about his character just by, through what he created. But when God created boundaries and when God created everything, he created something else for our own benefit. And this is something that I've never really thought of or, or seen before. Uh, God revealed it. He created, within his creation, rhythm. Rhythm. For those of you who are not familiar with what rhythm is, I wasn't listening to your clapping abilities, you know, necessarily, you know. <laughs> 
Anybody ever see the jerk, you know, there's always that one guy that just got no rhythm, no, you know, whatever, but, but the Holy Spirit loves that joyful noise, right? Um, rhythm. This is my definition of rhythm, but I believe it's an accurate one because I made it up, so of course I'm going to think that because I'm full myself. But anyways, I think it's accurate. Rhythm is a constant and recurring change. It sounds like double talk. It sounds like a paradox, but it literally is what it is. Rhythm is a constant change, constant and reoccurring change. Most of us uh, learned about rhythm at a very young age in music class. And I was asking our kids, and they had no idea what I was talking about, you know. But I remember little things like, you know, I eat banana. I eat banana, like, you know, quarter note, quarter note, and you learn eighth note, you know, and you learn these rhythms, you know, and you, they give you the little sticks and the fish, and nobody remember. okay, maybe I'm the only one that learned this in music class, but anyways, rhythm, it's a constant change, it's something changes, but it constantly does that, and it repeats itself, you know, and you learn about rhythm this way, and we're going to talk all about it here, but we learned last week that this same paradox of rhythm, a constant change, exists in the person of God. That God is constant. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He is constant, and yet he is constantly doing things differently. He doesn't change, but he changes the way that he does things. And you have this paradox in the kingdom of God. Um, He rarely does the same, he always does the same things, but he rarely does them the same way twice. Um, We learned about examples of like how God is our victor. We always have the victory in Jesus, right? Always conquer. But look at how he fought literally the physical battles in the Old Testament through the nation of Israel. They always won their battles when they followed God's battle plan, but his battle plan was different almost every time. I mean, they did some really weird, flaky things in the Old Testament to win their battles. But when they did them, they were constant. God was constantly the victor, but he won the victory different ways, in different fashions. I I use this example all the time, the way that Jesus healed. Jesus is always our healer. He healed every sickness and every disease that anyone ever brought to him on the face of the earth. And yet he very rarely healed them the same way twice. So he is constant, he is healer, but he is ever-changing in the way that he does things. And that's why, that's why our third core value here, we have to be spirit-led. You know, just because you pray a certain way this time and it worked doesn't mean that for the rest of your life you pray that way. What's important is that we're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit and we're doing what he's calling us to do because that's where success is. Jesus, the only reason he was successful in the face of the earth is because he, saw what he's, he did what he saw the Father doing. That's where we find success, just keeping in step with the Spirit. Um, constant and yet changing rhythm. Um, according to Genesis chapter 1, constant, uh, we find here that God created what on day one? Day and night, right? If you don't know, pull out your children's Bible. They always start there, right? Um, day and night. Then on day four, he created the sun and the moon to govern those periods. You know, he created those separately. And every single day since then, the sun rises, the sun sets. There is day and there is night. There is a steady and a predictable rhythm, a constant and recurring change every single day. Change happens. Day turns to night, night turns to day. A change takes place effect, right? That happens. Change happens. But there's also a constant. There's constantly day and night. It's not like day and whoops, 
whoops-a-daisy, 48 hours of daylight, and then night, right? Never happens. It's a constant change, day, night, day, night, um, you know, and, and it recurs over and over and over again. God created from the very beginning a rhythm of life, and, and we can go on and on and on. There's so many rhythms that we see. But this rhythm that God created on day one, it was for us and our own good and our own benefit. He was thinking of us when he created day and night here on the earth. Uh, because we were created to be awake for so long and to sleep for so long, right? That's why God gave you Pastor Steve to put you asleep Sunday morning so you get your nappy time, right? <laughs> Sorry. We, we need that rhythm. We need that rhythm. God gave us day and night to teach us you need to be awake for so long and asleep for so long, awake for so long, asleep for so long. And if, if you're not, if you're like taking that for granted and you don't value that as much, you, like you've probably never worked a swing shift when that cycle is off, you know? You can deal with night shifts when you're sleeping through the day, awake through the night, sleeping through the day, awake through the night. But if that shifts and changes, it just wrecks everything. Why? Because your rhythm is off. You are created with the need for rhythm. That's why I don't know how the Alaskans do it with all this daylight, you know, for months and months on end. I've got family that lives there. Just, whew, you have to, create, you have to force your own rhythm in life. Um, God created everything over the period of six days, and then he chose another rhythm, right, to rest on the seventh. Work six, off one. Work six, off one. These rhythms he created in his creation. Um, he did it to set an example for us of how important it is to maintain a steady rhythm of work and rest. Work and rest. And he created all kinds of other rhythms. I mean, you know, generally speaking, we're born, we marry, we have children, we die. And we're, you know, and then our children, they're born and they marry, they have children, and they, you know, you've got this steady rhythm over and over and over again. You know, let's, we go back to the wisdom of Disney, right? It's the circle of life, right? I mean, <laughs> you look at God's creation and there's rhythm there. I've never seen it before, but it's there. I don't know how I ever missed it, you know, but it's just a cool revelation. God created us with the need for rhythm in life. It's a good and it's a healthy thing. And if we get out of rhythm, well, it's just kind of rough. That's where we're going to talk about today. Now, did God need to take a day off? Does he ever get tired, weary? No, but he did it anyways, right? He intentionally chose to do it to set an example for us. I mean, there's no, no evidence that he necessarily has ever taken a day off since then or whatnot, but he did it and he recorded it so that we would learn and understand. Um, then, I love what God did. Not only did he do this in creation, then he decided, hmm, I'm going to pick a family and I'm going to turn them into a nation and they're going to represent me on the face of the earth. So that when people see them, they see me and they see the way my kingdom operates and hopefully they'll want to be a part of it, right? You know, the people of Israel. And he carried this rhythm when he developed them into a nation and gave them their laws. He gave them uh, three different types of laws. I'm not going to talk about them this morning, but I'm talking about ceremonial law, just something you ought to do in life. And, and those laws read things like this. Not only were they supposed to work six days and take the seventh day off as a Sabbath rest, and for Jews that's Saturday, not Sunday like we kind of do it here in, in uh, the Western world. Um, not only were they supposed to work six days and take a day off, and they called that the Sabbath, they also were supposed to plant their fields, work their fields for six years. The seventh year, give that field a break. Just, just leave it alone, man, right? You know, 
Of course, our scientific evidence for any of you FFA people, anybody, you know, yeah, anyways, we know that it's important to do crop rotation and to give that field a rest or whatever, you know. So sixth years you plant, seventh year you don't, um, you know, and on and on and on, all these different rhythms in the way that they were to live. And then I love this rhythm. After seven years of doing the seventh year rest, they were to have a year that they called the Jubilee, now this, I, I really wish that this was the year of Jubilee for us in America and that we even, you know, followed this tradition. It was like a huge reset button, like, bump, all debt forgiven. If you were taken off into slavery, you're free. If you own property and you sold it or you gave it to somebody and traded something, guess what? It's yours again. Like a huge reset for the entire nation of Israel. Huge reset. You know, and, and, and you can read through Leviticus if you want to see the specifics of how God worked that out economically, because there was fairness to it. If you're borrowing money right before the Sabbath, you know, all those, or the uh, year jubilee, he had ways of working all those details out. But it was awesome. Every 50th year, and us Pentecostals should love that, that's what the 50th year, the 50th is all about, Pentecost, right, was this year of jubilee, when everything just got reset. And so that you have this, this rhythm that God created, not only in his creation, but also when he developed a nation, he developed these rhythms and these patterns to keep them healthy and growing so that they would be lacking nothing. And uh, that was just an awesome year. So God really did all that he could, and I've got lots more examples, but I don't want to bore you, to show us and to instruct us and to teach us, to give us this revelation of rhythm, that we ought to have this rhythm built into our lives. It's a good and a healthy thing. Um, now, God sets that rhythm in our lives if we follow him. And now, God, when he gives us, a, um, what he gives us is cadence, right? You ever watch a marching band in a parade or something? And what's, what's Wes Shemokin's cadence? something like that anyways they got this cadence that they walk to and that they march to you know god's cadence that he gives us the rhythm that he gives us it isn't to keep us marching in conformity like a marching band that is moving uniformly down the road right the cadence that god gives us it's more like the role of that of like a, a drum major which megan is this year um in the band you know it, it's more you know it's, it's to have the band all do their own unique individual thing. But when they each all do their own individual thing together, it comes together to be something awesome. Like, have you ever seen some of these things that they do out on the fields? Like, everybody's doing their own thing, and, like, these big, like, patterns develop and everything. It's just amazing. And, and the songs just go without a beat, you know? We, we've watched some, like, college bands. You've got, like, drummers that are rolling over their drum, and they're playing, and they don't skip a beat, you know? But the role of that drum major is just to just set, set that pace, set that rhythm. Everybody does their own thing, and when they all do their thing, when they're supposed to do it, it's beautiful, it's amazing, it leaves people in awe, you know? That is the role of sort of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Not so that we're all in the same rhythm, but so that we are all doing what we ought to do, when we ought to do it. So that when we're all doing that, we're whole and complete and mature and lacking nothing. One body. It keeps unity through that diversity. Um, and, and I love how Jesus does that. I mean, look at our, we're pretty small here, you know, for churches. We're not thousands of people, but look at everybody. Yeah, and don't, don't look grossly at people, okay? Um, <laughs> but think about it. He brought people together from every walk of life. 
you know, we've got, we, I just celebrated, now we have teens, you know, and we're just straight up a teen family, you know, you've got you know, brand new babies being born, you've got adoptions, you've got people with great-great-grandkids, you know, I mean, all different walks, you're all in different rhythms of life, you're all in different seasons of life, you know, and then we've got rich and poor and in between, and then we've got liberal, conservative, and I don't care, I'm not even going to vote, you know, we've got all kinds of different people from all kinds of different walks of life, and do you think Jesus did that intentionally? You better believe he did. He loves diversity working together in unity. We don't need a, a church full of preachers and teachers. We need a church full of everybody for every role, for every position, so that every need is met. Because you have something I need, and I have something you need. And, and, and you're in a certain you know, walk of life, and I'm in a different walk of life. You know, My kid's just learning how to change oil, and I'm tired of doing it, so I'm like, go do it. You know? <laughs> you know, we're, we're in different walks of life. We're on different rhythms. And none of it is right, and none of it is wrong. We are on different rhythms in life intentionally. So that when we come together, wow, is that powerful. When we come together... It's just a beautiful thing that Jesus does. And it's important for us then not to only discern the time and season of life, because I've heard so many teachings about that, read so many books about it, but I've never read a book about rhythm in life. Not only discerning times and seasons, but also discerning what is the rhythm that you are supposed to be maintaining, because it is rhythm that gets you through those times and seasons. And if you break that rhythm you're going to be broken. If you break that rhythm, if you, if you, you know, stop and say, you think about a marching band in the middle of the field, if, if like, you know, one section decides just to sit down and pout and not play their instrument, you know, man, people are going to be tripping over them and people are going to get hurt and, you know, it's not going to sound right and no one's going to want to see that band ever again, right? You know, you need everybody doing their part and, and, and you need to stay in the rhythm that God has you in. Uh, Jesus, for example, he woke up early to pray. He was an early morning kind of dude. I'm not that dude. I'm a late night. I stay up till three or four in the morning, don't feel tired at all. But I'm not going to wake up at three or four in the morning, you know, except for hunting season. It's a sore subject with my wife, but, you know, it's like a kid in Christmas morning, you know. You don't need no sleep that day. Heck no, especially this year. Saturday, Sunday, Monday, dough or buck, doesn't matter if it's brown, it's down. I mean, this is, I'm already ready for it, you know. It's awesome. But it's important for us to have rhythm. Jesus was an early morning person. If you're not, it doesn't matter. But prayer needs to be one of those beats in your daily rhythm. Prayer needs to be one of those beats. So whether you pray as soon as you wake up, I recommend it even if you are a late morning person. Good way to start the day. But pray at some point through the day. Of course, you know, pray without ceasing all that stuff, but take intentional time to hit that rhythm. Because there's different things that we need to have, different beats in that rhythm of life. We need to eat, right? We need to sleep. We need to work. We need to play, right? I always tell my kids, you work hard, you play hard. Don't get that reversed. You don't play hard and then, you know, work when you feel like it. Work hard, play hard. We need to pray, we need to learn, we need to worship. These are all parts, all beats of that rhythm that all of us need to be healthy in life. And if you skip any one of those beats, or if you beat on any one of those, you know, too much, and you, you just eat and eat and eat, I mean, you end up like this, you know, or I got to make sure my shirt's long enough so my gut's not hanging out, you know. It's unhealthy, isn't it? If, if you eat too much, or if you don't sleep enough, or if you just don't pray ever, or, you know you get unhealthy. 
God created us with a need for rhythm in our lives. You need it all, and you need all of it in a healthy balance. And you can't skip any one of those beats, or you're going to be off. And you'll feel it, too. You know, it's hard to express. You're like, man, I just feel off today. Why? Because maybe you didn't have your morning coffee, and that's one of your beats in your rhythm of life, right? You just feel off the rest of the day. That's because you were created by God to live a life of rhythm, And you don't want to miss any single one of those things. Jesus, he was often criticized by the religious people for not following that same rhythm that they were on in their culture. And it wasn't that they were wrong, and it wasn't that Jesus was wrong. It's not right or wrong. They were just on the wrong, different rhythm in life. Mark chapter 2. We're going to be spending most of our time there in the Word just to see this. So if you want to turn ahead and uh, join with me there, Mark chapter 2, starting verse 18. But you see, this same scene happened pretty often through Jesus' ministry. And I don't think that he was being challenged in a critical way. He was just being asked. They weren't trying to trip him up and make him look bad. They were just asking, what's the deal with this? And this is what the scene looked like. Mark chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. They were on the same rhythm. They were fasting. It was a time of fasting for them. Now, some people came and asked Jesus, how is it that John's disciples and the disciples of the Pharisees are fasting, but yours aren't? Why is that? What's happening here? Jesus answered, well, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast when he's with them? Can you imagine that? Hey, guys, my bachelor party's tomorrow night. And by the way, we're fasting. Ain't going to be no, no eating, no drinking. We're fasting. <laughs> Heck no. Have you read about the parties that Jews, like, wedding wasn't a one-night thing. It was like a week-long thing. I mean, they knew how to party. They knew how to celebrate these life events. So Jesus like, look, how can the guests of the bridegroom fast when he's with them? They can't, so long as they have him with them. But, remember, butts are big in the Bible, but the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them. We just celebrated that event this morning, remember? And on that day, they will fast. Then he goes into verse 21. This is not a separate thought. He uses the groom example. Now he's using a different example to say the same idea. He said, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, that new piece would pull away from the old, and it it would actually make the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine would burst through the skins, and both the wine and the skins would be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. And now, personally, I've taught this, these verses in several different contexts. But the revelation that I, I'm kind of sharing with you this morning is that if you keep it in its true and proper context, the, the, this concept of a new wineskin and, and new patch, it's, it's all about the rhythm of life. If you try to force yourself into someone else's rhythm, not only are you going to be broken, but you're going to tear things apart for the other person too, trying to be in a rhythm of life that you're not in. For Jesus' disciples, they were celebrating with the groom, you know, before he was going to leave them. It wasn't a time to fast. It was a time to eat and to drink and to get work done. It was not a time uh, for them. They were in a different rhythm of life. And there would come a time when his disciples would fast, right? We're his disciples and we take seasons of fasting, right? Absolutely. It's a rhythm. It's a rhythm that we fit into life. But that wasn't their time. 
And so it's important for us not to try to force ourselves into someone else's rhythm of life, to be like them. It's important for us to discern who Jesus wants us to be and what his rhythm of life is for us. Um, it's important that we're, we're moving through life to the cadence of the Holy Spirit. And just as an example here, and cover your ears because... Back whenever I drummed here at New Hope, they had to put me in a cage, okay? It's that bad. I'm just warning you here. But, but think about this. Rhythm of life. Rhythm is no rhythm of it all if everybody's doing the same thing, right? And we're just like this. That's boring. Someone's like, hey, that's that new Chris Tomlin song, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's boring. It's just one steady, nobody's going to pay to hear that. It's going to actually start annoying you, Right? If, if somebody just follows that same rhythm of life and there's no change and there's no anything, you know, it's just boring. That's if we all try to religiously conform ourselves to look, act, talk, dress, and, and be in the exact same rhythm of life, right? And you're going to be miserable. You know, if you've got this woman that's having, you know, she just had her brand new newborn, you've got this 80-year-old woman thinking, well, I want a baby, you know? She's going to be miserable in life because it's not her rhythm of life. It's not something that she can do aside from a miracle, a Sarah miracle of God, right? It's not about us being in the same rhythm. It's also not us just doing what we want when we want it, right? That's just like, and everybody just jumps in when they want and does what they want to do, right? And you're like, oh, but I'm, but, but, but I'm spirit-led. I'm just doing what the Spirit's leading me to, you know? Just popping in and out and doing whatever you want whenever you want. That's also not God's plan and purpose for you. There's no rhythm in that. That's not rhythm at all. Um, you know, it's also not rhythm if we all try just doing all of our things at the same time. So we're going to have a, a healing, prophetic uh, a nursery service, you know, and we're going to do it in Demeo's parking lot as evangelism. We're going to do everything all at the same time. That's not pretty, right? It's like... Yeah! That just hurts. Like... Just, you need to calm down, okay? We can't do everything all at the same time, church, okay? You know, we just, that's nasty. You know, but if we discern our rhythm of life, and we serve when we're supposed to serve, and we bow down when we're supposed to bow down, and we just, we kind of find this rhythm in life. We eat, we sleep, we pray, we worship. You know, all of a sudden, when you come in exactly when you're supposed to, things start to sound decent, right? It's like... And then you start building something, and it sounds good, because everybody's just kind of doing what they're supposed to do, when they're supposed to do it, and, and it changes. It's not the same rhythm over and over. Things are changing, but there's a consistency to that change, and that's what rhythm is, a constant repetitive change, a constant recurring change. And that's what our life is supposed to be like. You know, there's, there's times and seasons for everything, but there's also a rhythm that we need to follow in life to be healthy and whole and complete. It's not just true in music. You don't just need rhythm in music. You need rhythm in life as well. Um, let me go on here, and in verse 23, it says, One Sabbath, now we know the Sabbath day was that seventh day of rest. You do no work. And it says, One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the grain fields, and his disciples walked along, and they began to pick some of the heads of grain. You know, it's like us with raspberry bushes in Western PA. You know, you're walking along, and you're like, oh, yeah, you know, just excited to, to grab some. And it says, The Pharisees said to Jesus, Look, what, why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? 
And he answered, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar, the priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is unlawful. It's only for the priest to eat. Then it says, then he also gave some to his companions. And then Jesus said to them, he said, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You got it backwards. Remember the work hard, play hard? You got to do one before the other to be in a healthy rhythm of life. Jesus is like, you're getting it all wrong. Man was not made for the Sabbath. It's not your religious duty to just every seventh day, it's nap time, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to regret that one. Um, it, it's, it's not that you religiously do it. It's not that man was made for the Sabbath. Like the Sabbath is more important than man. You're getting it backwards. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're getting the law as being more important than the man for which the law was created for. The, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. You get it backwards. You, you're out of rhythm. You're out of sync. And if you've never done it before, check out YouTube. There's some videos out there where they play the rhythm backwards to songs. It drives you crazy. You're like, just stop that. That is wrong. Or if you're a musician and you see somebody playing something wrong and you're like, oh, dude, don't. Like, like every eighth beat, it's like, no, you're not supposed to be hitting that, you know? Maybe it's just me alone. I don't know. I'm sure Terry can kind of relate sometimes. It's like, ugh, it just makes you cringe, you know? It's like, that's, that's dude, like, that, that's Van Halen. You can't mess with that. That is holy, you know? Um, you have people doing their own thing. Um, anyways, but that's kind of what it's like. You get it, you get it wrong. You get the rhythm wrong, and you miss it as a result. You're doing what God told you to do, but you're not doing it for the right reason. You're out of sync. You're out of rhythm. And because of that, you're missing it even though you're doing what God called you to do. Everybody kind of following me here? I know it, it can be a hard concept to wrap your mind around. So here we find that reality of rhythm of life, you know, that we were uh, create. the Sabbath was created for us. Think about it this way. Here's another way of saying this. The Sabbath was created by God as a gift to you. He handmade the Sabbath on the sixth, remember he worked six days, he rested the seventh. He handmade the Sabbath himself, and then he gave it to you as a gift. It's a gift for you. Ensuring that we accept this gift and build rest into our rhythm of life, it's just simply to enjoy the gift that God has given us. And I'm standing here before you, and I know my owners have been talking to me about it. I am in sin in this area big time, you know. When I started working bivocationally, full-time church, part-time work, and I'm still not out of a lot of the positions in the community that I said I was going to step out of, you know. I've lost my healthy rhythm in life, and rest is definitely not a part of that rhythm. Because I'm like, but this needs done, this needs done, and who's going to do it? I mean, no one's going to do this. i got to do this. And so, you know, and then it's just, it's not a healthy thing. It's not a healthy thing because we weren't created to do that, right? And eventually you're going to burn out and crash and it's not going to be pretty um, by any means. Um, So we need to take that and we need to view it as a gift of God. And I'm preaching to myself more than anybody right now. It is a gift of God. And what happens when your, your, your little toddler comes, you know, they're, they're four years old. They spend all this time making you this drawing and they hand it to you and you're like, yeah, (laughs) What does that do to them? It crushes them, right? It was a gift that they made for you because they love you. How does God feel when you say Sabbath? 
I don't need no day of rest every week. Are you kidding me? I got stuff to do, you know? Think about the slap in the face that must be to God who loves you, who cares about you, and he's only doing it for your good. We need that rest. Now, what Jesus was dealing with in this confrontation was something that God often confronted his people with in his word. They were religiously following the letter of the law, but they were missing the spirit of the law. When Jesus said, have you not read about what Abiathar the priest did, you know, with David, and he went and he did what was unlawful, but it wasn't really unlawful. You're, you're following the spirit of the law in religion, but you're missing the heart of the law, why it was written. Um, and this is something his people dealt with all the time. You're like, you're doing all these feasts and festivals, but your heart's far from me. And so they're detestable. I hate it when you get together. You know, God had these conversations with his people, pretty blunt and upfront and brutal conversations that we were missing it. We didn't understand the spirit behind the law. And the Sabbath is one of those things that we often miss. God created it to be a day to literally enjoy life. Did you know that that too is from the hands of God? That's in Ecclesiastes. That to eat, drink, and make merry, to enjoy the life that God has given you, he actually wants you to do that. I know, it's hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he does. He wants you to enjoy it. Work hard, play hard. Work six days, but take that seventh day and enjoy it. Enjoy the work of your hands. Yes, there's tons of work waiting for you next week, but guess what? I'm going to give you next week to take care of that work, okay? Today, you just need to take a break, you know? It's kind of what God's saying with the, uh, with the Sabbath. And we read about it here. God had this conversation in Isaiah 58 about fasting. Again, rhythms. I never read them this way, but I will forever now. Once you have that revelation of God, this is a rhythm that God created for his people, fasting and the Sabbath. And he deals with fasting in the first part of Isaiah 58, what it actually looks like. It doesn't mean that you make yourself miserable and don't eat and drink stuff necessarily. True and proper fasting. Man, read what it is. Isaiah 58. Then he says this is about the Sabbath. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath, if you stop doing what you please on this holy day. Now, what does holy mean? Set apart. Holy is set apart. This isn't a religious thing. This is just something that was set apart for you. If you stop doing what you please on my holy day, if you start calling the Sabbath a delight, what do we call it? You know, it's, a, it's, it's my only day to get something done around here, you know? I mean, come on. It's a pain in the neck to try to, you know, not, whatever. We call it all these things. But God says, if you call the Sabbath a delight, if you call this holy day of the Lord honorable, and if you choose to honor it by not going your own way and not doing what you please and not just speaking idle words, then. Now, I'm a programmer by trade. You know, and if-then statements are powerful. And God's promises are very often if-then statements. If you do this, then I'll do that. So if we take a day off every week, if we don't speak illy of it, if we actually honor it and honor the Lord through it, if we call it a joy to take that day, then you will find your joy in the Lord. How many of us are miserable in life just because we don't take a full day every week to enjoy his life? Because we just don't take a full day to enjoy it. Kids, is your father a miserable wrecker? Is he a joyful Santa Claus kind of guy? I'm just seeing a bunch of shoulder shrugs. They're like, I'm not going to say that right now. Yeah. Can, can be a little grumpy sometimes, you know. But if you do this, then you will find your joy in the Lord. Then, this is God speaking, I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land. Think about that. 
Sometimes you're just like your work never ends because there's always more issues that rise up because you don't take that day of rest. If you took that day of rest, maybe the Lord would go ahead of you and fight some of your battles for you. You might actually triumph in some areas that you've been struggling in, right? I mean, it's what God's word says right here. It's a promise of God. If you do these things, then this is what I'm going to do. And, and I'm going to just, uh, I'm going to re- program for you here and we're going to reverse engineer that. That means if you look at an if-then promise of God, a conditional promise of God, if you're not seeing the promise in your life, you better look back to the if part. Because last time I checked, God's always faithful. He always does his part. The then part of the promise, that's on him. And he's always faithful to do his part. So the question is always, okay, well, if I'm not seeing this happen in my life, am I doing the if part? Am I being faithful? Am I doing what I'm supposed to do? If I'm miserable in life and I can't say that I have the joy of the Lord right now, maybe it's because I'm not taking a day off every week. Maybe it's because I'm not calling the Sabbath a joy and an honor and and honoring the Lord with that. Maybe it's because I'm doing my own thing on the Lord's holy day. Maybe. Check yourself and see if that might be the case. The Sabbath day is created as a gift for us. And by the way, that verse ends with, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. If you're a Mandalorian fan like me, you know, like, I have spoken. That's it. You know, that's, the Lord said that phrase often in his word. I've spoken. Done deal, okay? This is how it is. No arguing, no debate. There are many times in scriptures where God said, let's reason together. This is one of the times he said, book closed, I spoke. Okay? Accept it, night, whatever. This is how it is. That's how he ended that statement. So the Sabbath day is created as a gift for us. So why not take advantage of it? Why do we keep using it to do our own thing, to get our own stuff done? Why do we use it, you know, every week to, to whatever, to speak idle words, you know? Um, all these things that the Word of God warns us against. Um, and people are not, you know, people are people. Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun. Same thing that's been happening has been happening forever. And so I, you know, I, I kind of want to end with one more example of this in the scriptures. You know, we started with examples, and I'm going to go to a last one here before we end. But that Sabbath, that Sabbath rest, it's not something, at least it's for me personally. Some of you all might be disagreeing with me here, but I don't get excited about it. You ought to see me try to sit in a chair and do nothing. It is painful. It is agony. I can't do it, you know? I got to grab my phone and twiddle or do something. I mean, there's, there's things to get done, you know? It's hard for me, but it is a command of the Lord, and, and I'm in a state of sin if I don't do it. Just enjoy a day every week. God's given you friends and family. I mean, if you stop and think about how immensely blessed you are, take that one day a week and just enjoy it. Just hang out. Just you know, that's what it's for, is to enjoy life. That Sabbath rest, it's like the bass kick. It's like this bass drum down here in rhythm, you know? Some of you all absolutely hate it. You're like, turn that bass down, you know? Me, I get in, I get in the car and I'm like, boop, boop, you know? So it's like, you know, my, my doors are rattling, you know, even as an old 37-year-old geezer, you know? I mean, you'll hear me coming down the road. Becky gets in, she's like, oh, for Pete's sake, would you please just, you know? <laughs> Some of us feel that way about rest. Some of us love it, and some of us are like, Ugh, you know, it just grinds on you. But, but, but that Sabbath rest is like that base kick, you know? And I'm telling you what, everything else you do in life is built on the Sabbath. Those other six days, that rhythm's going to be off if you don't have that base kick of your Sabbath rest. 
everything else is built on it. Everything else listens to it. Everything else is driven by it. Um, if you've ever played in a band and you've got a bad drummer, a bad percussionist, and they don't know how to keep a steady rhythm and beat, it just wrecks everything else. You have no idea what you're doing. You're like, well, what, what, wait a second. You, sometimes you just got to stop it all, right? Get that rhythm set again. That's what the Sabbath rest is. In the kingdom of God, your kingdom people, if you're not taking that bass, kick, rhythm, steady rest, then everything else in your life is going to fall apart. Everything else in your life is going to have nothing to stand on. Your life is going to be chaos. And let me stand here before you this morning and tell me my life is chaos right now, okay? It's like I'm just putting out fires and I tell my wife, like, I just, I, life's controlling me right now. I've lost it, you know? It just, I'm just doing everything that needs to get done and that's pretty much it in life, you know? Um, and it's just, it's not healthy. We need to find that Sabbath rest because until we are faithful to the Lord in this matter, He's not going to try to build anything else on you because he knows. He has, like, think about it this way. He has all these, he's like a Christmas tree with gifts all underneath it, all these blessings for you. But he knows you can't handle even another gift right now. You can't take even another blessing right now because your life's chaos. In fact, if he tried to give you a blessing, you would see it as a curse and be burdened by it instead of rejoicing in it and, and being able to celebrate it and enjoy it. So get that right. Because far too many of us, we're busy. You ever hear this saying? You're too busy making a living, you forget to make a life. You ever hear that, state, that statement saying, I don't know where it came from, but too many of us. And guess what? Our culture celebrates it. If you're the one that's working 60 hours a week, you're the one that gets the raise. You get promoted, you know? Well, the CEO probably works, you know, 20 hours a week. You know, it, it's, it's honored. It's celebrated. It's rejoiced. You look like you're lazy if you're not working more than 40 hours a week, you know? You might get criticized for it. Um, too many of us are so busy making a living, we forget to make a life. Because I'm telling you, I've done funerals, many, many, many different scenarios and types and different situations. And I've heard, never had anybody stand there at the casket and be like, man... I wish that lazy guy would have just worked a few more hours. You know, I wish he would have taken on that extra project. You know, man, what was he thinking? No. Man, I wish we had more time together. I wish I just had one more moment just to say this to them or just to share this moment with them. And, man, I wish they were here to see my, you know, their grandkids grow up. Man, think about it. Those are the regrets we have in life. So if those are the regrets you're going to have in the end, again, reverse engineer life. If those are the things I'm going to regret, then let's back it up in life. And while they're teens, while they're toddlers, let's enjoy those things now so that in the end, there's no regrets. So in the end, when people are standing by your, your casket at your head, they're like, man, he was a great family man. Oh, you, ought to, you should remember this time that we had together. It was, you know, we went out fishing, we did this. They, they celebrate your life. Then there's no regrets. If that's how you want that story to end, then back it up and start today writing that story. Start today building in that Sabbath rest. And I'm just talking about one day a week. We didn't even get to the, uh, you know, every seven year. We didn't even get to any of the other things that God's word gives us rhythms for. That If we can't start with that one simple one, then we're going to miss it. We're going to absolutely miss it. Um, okay, so again, the ending with the example. So if, if Jesus is kind of tugging on your heart this morning, and if you feel like, man, right now, I would regret so much, so much if this was it. You know, so many things that I look back and I wish I was doing right now. Listen to the words of Jesus here. This is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. He said, just come to me. 
Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Maybe that's not the Jesus you know. Maybe the Jesus you know is like, man, I'm getting called into a different ministry. I need to get this done. I need to get that done. And that's the Jesus you know. Jesus is quoted as saying this. Whoa, 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 whoa. If you come to me, I'm going to give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. What is it that Jesus is trying to impart to us? He said, I'm gentle. Anybody? Isn't that a fruit of the Spirit or something? Gentleness, right? Something Jesus is trying to impart on us? Rest. Gentleness. And he said, and I am humble in heart. Humility. And you will find rest for your souls. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you look at your life right now and you can't describe your life as your yoke being easy and your burden being light, maybe you've taken on some things you shouldn't have. Or maybe you're taking that yoke and just, in life, you know? <laughs> you're like, come here, Jesus, come on. You know, help me carry this burden. Instead of getting under Jesus' yoke so that you and him together are doing it in life. Chances are you've missed it in one of those areas. Either you're doing your own thing that Jesus never called you to do, or you're just not there with him, keeping in step with him, keeping in line with him. What are we supposed to do with the Spirit? We're supposed to walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. We're supposed to keep that rhythm of the Spirit. That's what you were created to do, so get in line with that. Change is hard, but change is necessary. I'm so used to playing certain rhythms on here, you know, that if I try to play a different thing into that rhythm, it just messes with me. But if you force yourself to do it, that's your new rhythm. And you don't even have to think about it. Your arms just do it, you know, and it's the same way in life. It's hard to change and to build Sabbath into your week. But once you do it and force yourself to do it, you can't imagine not doing it. So I've at least, you know, it just, it, it, it becomes awkward, and then you start guarding that day off and whatnot, and it, it's, the thing is, science is catching up with the Word of God, as it always does, right? We're slow, the Word of God is always true, yes and amen. Microsoft did a study last year, uh, not this past August, but the one before, and in, in, I think it was in Hong Kong, I mean, they don't try it in America, because you know you don't mess with Americans' work weeks, right? But in, in Japan, they tried this. Japan, Hong Kong, is Hong Kong in Japan? China, sorry. China, yeah. We won't start talking about China in, in today's culture. Um, <laughs> sorry. I want to start talking about stuff. Anyways, they tested this out. They paid their people for a five-day work week, but they only required them to work a four-day work week through the summer months of August. And do you know what their, their studies found? Because it's easy to measure code and bugs and everything when you're, you know, in, in the profession I'm in. It's easy to measure success and failure. They were 40% more productive in a four-day work week than they were in a five-day work week. Their productivity went through the roof because they gave them one day of rest a week. They actually got more done with less time, and they got it done more effectively with less issues. You can look at, everyone trusts CNN, right? There's an article out there. Well, if not, just follow the original link from CNN, and you know, you can, <laughs> it's not fake news, I swear, they actually did this. There's so many studies out there, though, so many studies out there that show in the workplace that when you give your people an, a, a rest, you actually get more done with less issues. Not to mention morale goes through the roof. I mean, people are just happier when they're at work, you know? 
It's just unbelievable. But, but, but are we willing to make the change to follow what the science and what, of course, the Word is telling us? Most of us not. Most of us are unwilling to make that change, you know, but we ought to do it. Okay, so we haven't changed much. I said I was going to end with this. Exodus 16. Exodus 16. You're probably familiar with this scripture. Manna from heaven, right? Manna. Another example of how Jesus teaches us this. If you're not taking one day off a week, that reveals you don't trust him. (laughs) You do not trust God. God, your faith is not what it ought to be. You're not trusting him that in the six days you can get everything that you need to get done and take the seventh day off. That should be convicting to all of us, a lack of trust in God. It says this, whenever manna came. Okay, when the dew is gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared in the desert floor. When the Israelites saw it, they're like, what is this thing? For they, they didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, this is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person that you have in your tent. And I think an omer is around like three pounds, if I recall correctly. That's a lot of bread in a day, you know? Don't you love carbs? Don't ever let anyone tell you carbs are bad. Jesus is the bread of life, okay? He's not the kale of life or the lettuce or romaine of life, okay? Bread of life. When God chose to miraculously provide for his people, what did he provide? Bread, right? It's the bread that God has given you to eat. Everyone gather as much as you need. Okay, so the Israelites did as they were told. Yay, Israelites, right? Some of them gathered a bunch. Some of them gathered a little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who had gathered much didn't have too much. The one who gathered little didn't have too little. Everyone had just as much as they needed. Isn't that like the kingdom of God, right? Then Moses said to them, don't keep any of it until morning. Okay? We're good at gathering. We're good at receiving. We're bad at stewardship. (laughs) We suck at management and stewardship in the kingdom of God. Let's just be honest with each other. And forgive me if you think that's a curse word. Please forgive me. Okay. Don't keep it till morning. This is their first test. God gave them this blessing. Here's their first test. Don't keep it till morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They just kept part of it until morning. But when they went to get it, it was full of maggots and it smelled. So Moses was angry with them. He's like, well, because you know they came to Moses and complained, right? Moses, this, this stuff that God gave us, it's sick. It's disgusting. Look at this. Like, it's like the crusty, the, 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 remember the episode of SpongeBob, the, the Krabby Patty that they kept for too long? Yeah, nasty. It's nasty. It's gross. And he's like, well, ugh, come on. Like, he was angry. Says Moses was angry. He said, I told you not to keep it. That's why it's nasty. So each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed. They learned their lesson the hard way. Don't keep it till morning, okay? Okay? Don't live today on the grace you had yesterday. It's new every morning. Don't try to hang on to anything, okay? It's a new day, new, new, new everything in the Lord. Okay, so it says, when the sun grew hot, it all melted away. So on the sixth day, they were to gather twice as much as they needed. Two omers for each person. And the leader, <laughs> math is hard, so okay? Times two. That's what you're to gather on the sixth day. Okay? That's what they're told to do. So they came and they did it. He said to them, he gathered everybody together and he said, this is what God commanded. Tomorrow is to be a day of Sabbath rest. It is a holy Sabbath to the Lord. So bake what you want, boil what you want, and save whatever is left until morning. Okay? A change. What is God building here? 
a rhythm. Six days, don't keep it overnight. Eat it all. But on the sixth day, preparing for the seventh day, bake, boil, prepare what you want on the sixth day. But on the seventh day, save some. Okay? So, they saved it until morning, as Moses commanded. They learned their lesson. They did, it, they did what he said this time. And it did not stink. And it did not get maggots in it on the seventh day. And so Moses said, eat it. Because today is the Sabbath to the Lord. In fact, you will not find any of it on the ground today. Six days you gather it, but on the seventh day, a Sabbath, there will not be any. Nevertheless, in verse 27, some of the people went out on the seventh day ready to gather it. But they found how much? None. (laughs) Right? Then the Lord said to Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my instructions? Bear in mind that I have given you the Sabbath. That's why on the sixth day you eat bread, you gather bread for two days. Everyone is to stay where they are on the seventh day. No one's supposed to go out and work. So then (laughs) the people rested on the Sabbath day. God's like, how long is it going to take for you to learn this? How long am I going to have to put up with you in this matter, right? He just wants you to take a break, to take a rest. So like if seeing his rhythms of life... In creation and in day and night and all these things aren't enough for us. I mean, he, look at this example of, of manna. Okay, work hard six days, play hard one every week. It's a very simple rhythm, you know, you know just a steady rhythm. Rest. <laughs> Rest. It's very hard for us to keep, right? Because what do you do when you're playing music and a rest comes? Nothing. It's hard to do nothing, right? Right, Megan? I mean, you come up and you got like 24 measures of rest. It's easy to keep track of quarter notes while you're playing. It's easy to keep track of music when you're playing. Try resting for 24 beats and then come in on the 25th. That is hard. It's hard to rest. It just is. It's in this flesh. It's just hard to rest and to do nothing and then to start again. But it is a command of God. And more than that, it is a gift of God. So this morning, the challenge to me and to all of us here is to take a Sabbath break. Take a Sabbath rest. I've had had guys testify to me before, you know, guys that never come to church. Because, man, I got to get my mowing done. I got to get my weed eating done. I got these trees I got to take down. You know, I got, and I only got Sunday. Because guess what? In the American work week, yeah, six days if you're lucky. Seven usually for most, you know. Yeah, that's your day to get it done. So, okay, they, so they came, they went to church, and guess what? They were able to get all those same tasks done after the church service, and they even had a break in the evening. I, I, I know of like four different guys that gave me that kind of testimony, you know, blew them away. Were they at church the next week? No, they got stuff to do. <laughs> but the, the, test him in it. Test the Lord in this. That if you take one day off a week, you won't actually be more productive in the other six. Try 